Good morning, Borida, and thank you for joining us for morning worship in the parish of Casluchur and Gorsainen. It's lovely to have you with us. You're especially welcome if you're joining us for the first time, and remember that you can go to our website, syncath.org.uk, to discover a little more about what's going on and how you can be a part of it. My name is Adrian, and I'm the vicar, and if anything we share in the service today touches your heart, I'd love to hear a little bit more from you. Sadly, earlier in the week we learned of the passing of Kay Morgan, a long-time member of the clergy and a curate in Lacha. Kay's life was a life of faithfulness and devotion, and today we give thanks for her ministry and all that she meant to us. As we pray the collect today, the special prayer of the church, we remember Kay and all that was special about her. O God, you declare your almighty power most chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Mercifully grant us such a measure of your grace that we, running the way of your commandments, may receive your gracious promises and be made partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Today we rejoice that Kay lived a life in the way of God's commandments, and although we grieve her passing, we know too with hope and with confidence that she has received God's gracious promises and that she partakes in his heavenly treasure. So, with that in our hearts and in our minds, let's worship together. The reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 to 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God forgave my sin in Jesus' name. I've been born again in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name I come to you to share his love as he told me to. He said, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our great Redeemer. Well, today's reading marks a turning point in Matthew's Gospel. It follows the healing of the blind man, and now it turns to the opening of the eyes of the disciples. In that story, the blind man could see partially and then perfectly, and this is what happens to the disciples too. Up to this point, other people have had their faith commended by Jesus as great faith. But the disciples have twice seen Jesus cry out to them in despair, O you of little faith. They were the closest friends and allies of Jesus, yet they often struggled to understand. Knowing that I am in such great company when I find Jesus' words hard to get my head around, is so comforting, to be honest. But Jesus is obviously keen for the disciples to understand and to acknowledge who he is. Because when he arrives in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus begins to ask the disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now the disciples show that they'd gathered what other people thought about Jesus. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. All of these answers identify Jesus with somebody from the past, 
a great prophet who'd come back to life. No doubt because the Old Testament had promised that God would raise up a prophet from among his own people. They all told some truth about Jesus, but also limited the truth about him. While John prepared the people to receive, Jesus did the actual giving. Elijah had a powerful ministry, but it was not his own power. Jeremiah had undeserved suffering, the most Christ-like of all the prophets, but he was no more than a prophet. The big difference, of course, is that Jesus is the fulfilment of prophecy, not the messenger. But knowing what others thought about Jesus would not suffice. The disciples would need to think and should discern this for themselves. Hence why he then asks them this. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? What actually matters is what we ourselves think about Jesus. We can't hide our faith in the faith of others. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. If Jesus were to ask you the question, how would you answer? Is he your Lord and your Messiah? For Peter, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's the one promised centuries beforehand who had come to rescue God's people. Peter's saying that for him, Jesus is God's King, the promised Saviour of Israel, the Christ. Now don't forget, they'd been expecting a human king who would free them by military might. Yet for Peter, Jesus is more than a king. He's the Son of God. It might be that Peter's starting to recognise the divinity of Jesus, but at the very least he's recognising something bigger about Jesus' kingship. Son of God was a title used in the Old Testament for the kings in Israel. The king of Israel was promised a special relationship with God, where God would be the father and the king would be the son. That relationship meant that the king of Israel was more than just a local king. He was king of the world. In Psalm 2, speaking to the king, God says this, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. The understanding that the king would rule not only in Israel, but over the whole world was a very real understanding. So, to call him the Son of God is to underline his authority and to proclaim him as the universal king with authority over the whole world. He is Lord of all. The answer he gives isn't borrowed from somebody else or heard elsewhere. It's based on his own personal experience and understanding of who Jesus is. So can we say the same thing? What's important is our relationship with Jesus, not everyone else's understanding of who he is. At the end of the day, we each have to confess Jesus as Lord. It won't do simply to say what others think about him or what others think he is, or to get second-hand knowledge and experience of faith. 
his understanding of Jesus' identity, the faith that he has in him, comes from God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. This is a massive recognition from Peter. So if you're looking in on Jesus, this is what becoming a Christian looks like. Recognising Jesus for who he really is, the absolute king whose rule is universal. It's in the context of his understanding that Jesus gives Peter the keys, saying, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. On the rock-like faith, the testimony that Peter's just displayed, Jesus is going to build his church. Peter receives the keys of the kingdom. It was Peter that opened the door for 3,000 people when he shared the good news about Jesus on Pentecost. He opens the door too for the Gentile centurion Cornelius and thereby to the whole Gentile world. Jesus will build his church on Peter's teaching, upon this testimony that he shared about Jesus. Later, Peter reminds Christians that they build the church on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. All believers are joined into the church by faith in Jesus Christ as Saviour, the same faith that Peter expresses here. Jesus praises Peter's confession of faith, and he says that it's faith like Peter's that is the foundation of the kingdom. It's not Peter who is simply in view here. It's all the apostles and their teaching about Jesus. Now keys are about access. Peter is to give people access into God's kingdom. He is to unlock the kingdom of heaven to those who don't yet know, understand and believe by sharing the message of salvation found in God's word. It is as Peter teaches the good news about Jesus that the kingdom is opened. Last week, we saw Jesus come to blows with some of the religious leaders. They thought that they had the keys to the kingdom, and they tried to shut some people out who they felt didn't deserve to be there. We can't decide who is in and who is out, but God can use us to help others find their way inside the kingdom. To all who believe in Jesus and seek to obey his word, the kingdom's doors are swung wide open. Interestingly, it's Peter who will share, but Jesus is the one who will do the building. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Just as we are told that the good news was not revealed to Peter by flesh and blood, but by God, we should pause again here to remember that it's not by human effort that someone comes to believe. It requires a work of God. Only a work of God will see the church grow. But God nevertheless invites us to partner with him in faithfully sharing what we know about Jesus. Just as he used Peter, he leaves us too. But are we willing to let him use us? It's not only Peter who gets the keys to the kingdom. Later on, Jesus gives the disciples similar authority. I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, 
and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If a certain rabbi confirmed what another rabbi had said, he was said to bind their teaching. If he came up with a new interpretation, you've heard it said, but I say to you, he was said to have loosed the previous teaching. When a rabbi gave his disciples the authority to bind and loose, it was said that he was giving them the keys of the kingdom. Jesus was giving his disciples authority to share their new understanding, one which was of course consistent with the wider picture of Scripture. As the disciples share and other people come to believe, the gates of the kingdom of heaven are opened for them. Sharing this new understanding, this good news about Jesus, is the extraordinary responsibility and privilege of the church. That's us. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. The message about Jesus is powerful. There's a battle between two kingdoms, heaven with Jesus and hell without him. The power of hell will not overcome the person who has faith in Jesus ultimately. The church, unlocking the gates of God's kingdom, diminishes the power of darkness and can set prisoners free. Gates are defensive, not offensive. It's the church that's on the offensive and we can be assured of victory against all our enemies because of Jesus. Each of us, including you, have an enormous privilege of seeing people set free when we share the good news about Jesus. So, will you share that hope that's within you and play your part in what God has called his people to do? We have a powerful truth. Let's use our keys to unlock the door and not keep this fantastic news about Jesus to ourselves. Amen.
Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your love and the enormous gift of Jesus, the promised Messiah and vital rescuer of humanity. As we remember all that you have given, we regret the ways in which we have not used these gifts as well or as fully as we might. We know that there is still plenty in us that needs sorting out and putting right. Have mercy on us. Forgive us many failings, and give us the faith which will let your transformation of what we are continue effectively for your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thank you for the reminder of all those you have blessed in the past, recorded in the pages of Scripture and also in our lives and the histories of the congregations to which we belong. Thank you, too, that your blessings have not been neutralised by human failings or frailty. We ask your strength and direction for today's Church, for its leaders and planners, and we remember especially Adrian, our vicar, 
and John our Bishop, for its members, and for those who have drifted away from Christian fellowship. May we be built together on Christ the cornerstone, using the gifts you give for your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Remembering our brother and sister Christians around the world, we pray today for those in the Telgarth Hliswen ministry area, led by Canon Roland Edwards, and for the Church of the Province of Southeast Asia, the varied communities of Indochina, Indonesia, Malaysia and the Philippines. May we value our unity in Christ and look forward to sharing more fully in God's kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As we pray for the community in which we live, we remember the confusion over exam grades and all the students and staff caught up in uncertainty. Help those who are particularly affected and those who want to learn but are not sure how teaching will be delivered or how college life will work out. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray too for those whose work has been changed or disappeared with COVID-19. For them, and for those trying to plan our economy in a new situation, give hope and opportunity. May our new world be different, but in important ways better than our old one. In particular, let us find ways of keeping some of the peacefulness and lack of pollution in a transition to a greener, more climate-friendly living. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help those in trouble or crisis, those who found the stress of lockdown hard, those who are ill or worried by the threat of illness, and those who care for them as health professionals, carers or friends. Let those who are dying be aware of your love and your presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us each to know what is most important for our faithful living now. Guide us to understand the gifts you have given us to use and to know the transforming work you long to do within us. Let us delight in all that Jesus has won and the continuing work of the Holy Spirit. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much to everyone who's taken part in today's service and a big thank you to you for joining us once again 
We hope that you've been blessed and brought closer to Jesus as you begin another week. So now let me pray for God's blessing over you. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.